0: Hello. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever in the world that you may find yourself listening to You Know Everything. I'm Nicole BZ, and I have the absolute joy and pleasure of speaking with one of my oldest and dearest friends, Miss Virginia. Actually, it's Mrs. Mrs. Virginia (laughs) Archer. (laughs) Hello. Hello. Thank you so, so, so much. Virginia's actually doing me a massive favor. As you know, I like to speak with people who are juggling all of the balls. And so one of the people had to cancel and Virginia is swooping in to save the day. And it really, really means everything because she is quite the busy, busy person. She's got so many different things going on and it's been such an, like, it's been just fascinating getting to witness Virginia's journey, be a part of Virginia's journey. Sort of zoom in and zoom out, depending on wherever the fuck in the world that I am. And so we're going to get into all of it. As you know, uh, Virginia is currently in Portland, Oregon. I met her in Baton Rouge, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, when I was living in New Orleans.
1: I think we technically we might have met in New Orleans, maybe.
0: We we would have had to have met in New Orleans. Like I. I don't. You knew me for a hot second in New Orleans, and then I was like, "Peace out." Yeah, girl. <laughs> we were going through an experience. Both of us <laughs> were our individual hot messes, and yeah, I mean that was such a special, special time for me. And I'm so grateful that we have managed to stay in touch. It's been, I mean, that was like 2013,
1: 2014. Ooh, I know. Wow. It's been a while.
0: Yeah, we some old girls. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, I'm happy to be here and please put me on your speed dial list for plan B interviewees because my absolute favorite thing to do is to, you know, talk shop with you about anything, but especially creative stuff, spiritual stuff, you know, the deal.
0: That's actually awesome as I like get further and further out of the woo closet and fully embrace (laughs) all things. um, and, And I don't know if you heard one of the people that I interviewed, Brandy was talking about how disrespectful it actually is to refer to spirituality or energy work as woo, because it's definitely suggesting Mm -hmm. that it's banana bonkers cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And (laughs) every single person that I'm certainly talking to, everything I do in my work, and I know everything, like everything that you do is completely inspired, not just inspired, but intuited and in alignment with source, spirit, God, creator, whatever sort of words you want to use for that energy. And obviously, that's why you're here today. I'm really great at introductions and not just for the episode, but also for the interviewee. So I, I, we are, as per usual, I kind of jumped to the beginning or the end or the middle. <laughs> but you're currently in Portland. You are, you kind of manifested the dream spot, the dream job, the dream man. And you are now in the process of creating your dream work. Uh, business may or may not be the right word. Let's start at the beginning as i like to, cause I'm always curious where you kind of want to take the listener through your own origin story, which is fucking amazing. And I hope that we get to have you back because every, I feel like every time I talk to you, you peel back another layer. And there's just something that is astounding to me, both in your ability to have I was gonna say risen from the ashes, but it's probably more like crawl out of the swamps. <laughs> <laughs> but also like how this this conversation came to be. Why you think you're here? Everyone that I talked to is always like, I don't know why you're interviewing me, but I'm here for it. <laughs> so uh, you know, ladies' choice. How would you kind of like to steer this conversation, my love?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this is the this is a question we come back to all the time. Like, how did we? cross like our paths crossing was so interesting and so random seeming at the time but you ended up being like in my life at a really pivotal point and I remember we were on this road trip we we met through a mutual friend we were on this road trip to Austin and it was pretty I'm a quick read on cool people you're probably out there on coolest folks that I had like come across in my path but I was actually in the throes of a spiritual awakening after a divorce, after a parent passed, and after a major job change, and it was technically Saturn return for me. I didn't know that at the time because I was raised in the evangelical Christian tradition in Mississippi and North Louisiana, so I had no fucking idea what was happening. (laughs) But you and I were in a car together to and from Austin, and I remember you were the first person that I got to talk to about soul stuff. So I kind of think of you as like my accidental not accidental doula in a lot of ways, like soul doula. You did this is before you were doing the coaching thing, but like you were like, "Have you heard of astrology? Like, let's talk about your star chart." <laughs> and I had never really, you know, I had not explored that at all. I I was like an atheist, agnostic before my awakening. Some people call it a Kundalini awakening. I mean, I'll use that for your listeners that are familiar with that term, but just for conversation's sake, you could call it a spiritual awakening. I mean, I was going through it, and I guess it was 2013. And you just were there. Like the universe put you on my doorstep right at that moment. So I have no doubt that was like that was meant to happen. And we have always lived in different cities since then, but we have always like found a way to come back together and have these like super fucking deep conversations about the cosmos and about like, what the fuck are we even doing (laughs) in this life? And you will always be like my, you know, my top favorite person for that because you're, there's just no conversation you're not willing to have, you know, like we talk about cosmic contact and we talk about Kundalini stuff and we talk about being an artist and a creator in the world. And I just love how, wide-ranging your palette is <laughs> in your conversation and you're just your friendship. So you mean a lot to me. And that's kind of how I see our story and our past. But it it's kind of my origin story as well. Because right now I'm like really in the rabbit hole as a mystic and a and a meditator and I'm a practicing intuitive. I write about spiritual topics at um, satsumadiaries.com and I do a little bit of YouTubing and Instagramming if that name as well. But I talk about spiritual shit, and it all goes back to 2013 when I had a really direct contact with like a Nirvana experience. I don't ha- I don't know. Okay, a- I
0: have to. I'm sorry, I have to interrupt you because. Yes. And you may rescind your very flattering reflection. Mm -hmm. Because I think at the time we were describing it as a three-month orgasm. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You were like on cloud nine and you were like, I don't know if this is normal or sustainable or healthy, but I am definitely (laughs) here for it. (laughs) I love that you outed my kundalini. Like, I, know, I was like, it's okay, awesome. I'm just going to like, bring it right back down.
1: <laughs> that was, yeah, that was like a really, everybody's got their own like list of kundalini awakening symptoms. But I was like, so I was going on Reddit and I was like, you guys are like, you guys are like, you know what I'm talking about, right? There's like, Three months, just baseline orgasm, like <laughs> nobody, nobody else. <laughs> I also felt like, I felt like all the shit, like I felt like I had reached nirvana and meditation. I felt like I couldn't, do, I, I could feel that all humans were one being. I mean, there was a lot of mysterious shit that came up for me psychically. But yeah, there was like, that was the spiritual aspect for sure.
0: Well, and for someone who had been raised in such a dogmatic, for lack of a better word, culture, community, family, and, you know, you did everything that you were supposed to do. You got the job. You got the education. I know you worked your ass off for both of those. You got the husband. Like, you got the house. Like, you were on the path, and then you took a very serious left turn.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I actually have multiple I'm just going to not take any credit for it in this life and I'll just say that I have multiple past lives as a mystic. And so wh- it's basically when you get your period it's like, "Oh, I got my I got my psychic period that yeah. year." But it, you get to kind of harvest all of the past lives where you've done the work when it's time for you to have that first big Kundalini growth spurt. You kind of get to you get initiated back up to the level at which you left off. That's my theory anyway. So it was like zero to 90 for me. I was like, oh, I guess I'm not an atheist anymore.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Hello. And it's funny. So when Virginia was doing kind of a deep dive into her own process and her own connection and her own ability to connect and then channel, I also wanted to be able to do all of those things and you recommended a book to me which i read and so you know you're sitting in you were you were very committed to this process and to this growth and you were meditating, I think, every night at 7 o'clock for at least, like, an hour, if not to 90 minutes. Yeah. I mean, I was and going
1: way overboard, but, like, that's what I wanted. I wanted, like, that. I wanted to, like, train for the
0: psychic Olympics or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and I was sitting in the morning, and, you know, you're starting to get all these messages and going, like, full clairvoyance, and I'm like, it's fucking radio silence for me. I'm getting <laughs> fuck all and like (laughs) admittedly I was a little frustrated by it
1: (laughs) meanwhile the universe is turning you into like new age Oprah
0: (laughs) (laughs) well and so okay thank you I'm gonna use that as a segue because one of the massive gifts you gave me not just doing this interview but you were willing to be one of my very first coaching clients And at the time, I was very worried about getting back into artists. You were the executive director of a nonprofit. I was also worried about nonprofits. I had all of these stories I was telling myself about the funding that was available and about the sort of martyrdom that can be like endemic in both of those industries. Mm -hmm. I was afraid I was repeating patterns. And so you were so generous in allowing me to step out this this new business and this new experience for myself. And I mean, I guess just for our readers, I know the backstory, but one of the other things that we're definitely going to tease out during this conversation, and so I'm just going to plant the seed here, is I can remember having a conversation with you when you were like, if I can travel to other planets, like why the fuck am I doing laundry? (laughs) (laughs) That's what I find so fascinating about this experience is like, How do you keep one foot, not just grounded sometimes, but it can feel almost like chained into the 3D while also expanding your consciousness, expanding your experience, expanding your ability to connect and really starting to trust and lean into your intuition. And and, I mean, you started making absolute life changing decisions based on that information. So I know I've just kind of like covered this is like a really bad habit of mine where I ask like 18 different questions at once. but. To kind of just take the listener through, you said that, you know, you were going through this awakening. Let's just say it. And it was after, you know, huge transitions in your life, job, relationship, divorce, you know, parents passing, like huge upheavals in your life. And I know you managed to land a pretty great opportunity in terms of work. You were also a stab, Not, I mean, your business, the nonprofit was already established, but you were expanding it. You were growing. You had really big dreams. Let's kind of like start there. Mm-hmm. And and like, I guess what I really want to explore is how did your mysticism, how did that kind of start <laughs> to show up? How are you able to kind of like interweave these two very different worlds? Because you've just done it so powerfully, it probably didn't feel like that at the time, but like the end results, which we'll get to, are fucking amazing.
1: Yeah, that's a really I love that you're kind of focusing on the hybrid folks and your relatable series. Like I've been I have a listener. Hello. I'm your fan. I'm leader of your fan club. And I really like the thread here. I think it's important to talk about being a well-rounded person. I mean the the Kundalini Awakenings and The, you know, week-long Vipassana retreats and stuff, they're beautiful. You know, these are are really beautiful experiences, but I do think that sometimes we can get lost in the feminine mysteries and go a little bit too overboard into the yogi lifestyle and we can kind of lose our footing in the, the mundane world. So I've always strived to be a person, I gave myself permission to go really far out and really go out there in my meditation journeys, but i also always wanted to be the kind of woman that took care of myself, that like made my own money, I could pay my bills myself. Like I've been on, I've been financially independent for a long time because both of my parents were, they struggled with addiction and they weren't really always in a supportive role for me. So I learned early on that I needed to make money and I've had to be scrappy in the real world to make that happen. But I'm also deeply committed to what I'm experiencing in meditation and in my intuition. So I value both. And I also feel like it's just boring to be just a mystic. I really love the arts. I love the secular arts. I love secular culture. I want to be a part of that, too. My therapist calls it the householding yogi. (laughs) I really like that.
0: I like that. Well, and I mean, you've, you've been ambitious as fuck since the day that I met you. And what I, again, completely skipped over, you were an artist, you are a writer, you are a mystic. You're also amazing in nonprofits and grant writing and gift giving and funding, which is an art in and of itself. And so you've somehow managed and just the, sh- I mean, it's, it feels short, but I guess it's been a long time that I've known you to just absolutely excel in everything that you're doing. Do you think it has to, and I don't, I mean, you can get as personal as you want, but do you think it has to do with that scrappy upbringing and like where you came from as opposed to where you want to be? I think it's pretty, it's getting cliched at this point to, to realize like a lot of like incredibly successful people often have like a pretty hardcore survivor narrative, at least in some part (laughs) of their, their story. But I don't know, where do you think that drive and that ambition and, and that ability to kind of like hold that container, hold that space for all of these different components in your life came from?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. Well, I'll tell you, I have two siblings and one is in sobriety after a long road with addiction, losing her children, being homeless. My brother has struggled with addiction, still does on and off and isn't able to take care of himself financially because of it. I'm mean, I hoping that he turns the corner on that soon, but both of my parents were addicts. I mean, there's a lot of mental health stuff and ancestral shadow in my upbringing, but that didn't turn my siblings into like scrappy. Like they really got, almost got like sucked into the vortex. So I think that could have easily happened to me as well. If not for like, I don't know, I just have always been interested in what is true. And I think that that's like the one way to beat addiction and the one way to beat the ancestral wound of addiction is because it's all about denial and cover-ups. And for me, when I devoted myself to meditation and, and meeting my higher power and like meeting my inner guides, they gave me like practical feedback on how I could Sharpen my consciousness and be more successful in life, like how I could navigate my relationships, how I could navigate my work life, how I could run my nonprofit from a more meaningful position. You name it. Like, I feel like my spiritual life informs it in a positive way. So, I really think it is the edge that I have. I do think that my spiritual aspect is what has delivered me. Um, as corny as that sounds. But it also is like it makes me an assassin in life because I I know how to discern between the bullshit and the stuff that is meant for me.
0: Snap, 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 snap. Like, I didn't think that's how you're going to answer this question. And now I'm like, okay, we're going down this rabbit hole. So how did I mean, I know that this was a, a fucking practice for you and like you showed up. Every day, you—I don't want to say sacrificed, but you were willing to make space for this in your life.
1: But like, some shit got cut out. Yeah, you could say sacrifice. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and that's also been an evolving process as well. Uh, Virginia's guides are like wildly specific. Like, you need this mm-hmm. supplement in your diet. <laughs> like, yeah. like chemicals, like <laughs> you don't even know or have heard about. But so, like, how did you? I mean, is this just something that's always been part of your experience? Or do you feel like when, you know, Spirit showed up and was like, it's time to get a different job or it's time to send that email to your boss? Like, when do you Mm. feel like you really started not just listening, but taking action? Like, was there a moment?
1: Well, I have always been Mm -hmm. an old soul and very ambitious. Like, from my childhood years, I was like, My mom wasn't really present because she had had her super, super struggles with uh, addiction and she just was not present. So I was kind of the adult in the room and I always felt in Mm -hmm. charge, you know, and am comfortable in leadership roles and comfortable making a plan and, and getting, you know, like having my say. But my power was majorly dampened by the culture that I was brought up in. And when I when I decided to marry my college sweetheart, who was God bless him, he had he had his charms, but he just was Mm -hmm. not right for me. He just was not a good fit for me in the long run. And um, because of my upbringing around, like, you know, living together out of wedlock and all that shit, there was just a lot of pressure to get married and to have a family and to do like the traditional hetero experience with the white picket fence in New Orleans. We both were like Catholic at the time.
0: And so, did you start getting messages from spirit like that about like, this is not for you?
1: I actually had a near death experience in college because I always had a little bit of like a Persephone underworld instinct and like dabbled with psychedelics in college. And I had one that went super off the rails. (laughs) And I had a near death experience and I saw, and this was at the time I felt like an atheist, but I saw. I saw Krishna. I don't know if I told you the story. I saw Krishna. I saw Jesus. I saw Buddha. And I saw fucking aliens. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think you've and told me And I felt like
1: I almost died. And I, like, was in limbo for a couple couple days after that experience. And I ran. I fucking ran from that experience because I had no idea what to do with it. But I remember going to the bookstore and, like, finding that Ram Dass book in the mm-hmm. the eastern philosophy section Mm -hmm. and seeing some of the imagery that i came across in that journey and i was like okay i'm not fucking crazy this is a thing in the universe but I just shelved that. Mm-hmm.
0: Like, I was like, yeah, I don't know if that book would have helped me feel less crazy.
1: Yeah, Now
0: I look at that book and I'm like, I'll have what he's having. <laughs> I know, exactly.
1: <laughs> like, but like, at least I saw stuff that I was like, it was like basically Hinduism and stuff. And I was like, mm-hmm. OK, this is a thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not crazy, but I'm not going to touch this with a 10 foot pole. And I went along and like, you know, went along with my life and ended up marrying the wrong guy in new orleans and stuff and really shelved that and then once we broke up it all came fucking rushing back because I, that was exactly what i had hidden used to hidden like that my relationship was what i used to hide from that awakening that was due mm-hmm. if that makes sense
0: yep no that makes perfect sense
1: yeah. And I just had to integrate. I had no choice. I was like, OK, Nirvana a thing. These deities are a thing. I mean, I had to integrate a lot and it took a couple years. But just going back to your initial question, it took me about I had my awakening in 2013, but it wasn't until my mother passed in 2018. So about five years before I started getting lucid in my clairvoyance. But that was also a special year. My awakening was around Saturn return, so like late 20s. But my my clairvoyance came online or my Christ year, which was 33. I don't know if you've heard of that term, but I I sensed that it was an important year, but also a second parent passed. So I do feel like your spiritual awakenings come with, they come in times of upheaval. Mm -hmm. It can come in times when you're like super surrendered, super open, super vulnerable. And when you lose somebody, that is the gift. And the silver lining is that you spirit can come in really close. But what really I have heard from spirit on and off here and there. But I what really changed that year was I started sitting in meditation once a day. Before that, I only sat in meditation In kind of a patchy kind of way, I didn't, I didn't understand that it was so important to sit daily, but the, I was joking with my friends at the time, but when my mom passed, I was like, I'm going to go full psychic. I'm just, (laughs) I'm going to sit every day and I'm going to like talk with Debbie, you know, and it was funny that that was my joke at the time, but that really legit happened.
0: (laughs) Well, and so I can remember having conversations with you during the, that this whole period, and you'd be like, okay, so um, in my vision lesson, I'm like, why are you whispering? You're like, because I have a bat and motherfucking rouge. Like, this is the kind of <laughs> shit you get lynched for. Like, Oh, like if I had talked to you, I was talking to you at a coffee
1: shop or something, I would like have to go around the corner. Yeah.
0: Well, and so like, so I kind of want to get into what was it like having all of this happen for you on a spiritual level while also... I mean, you bought a house. You got a really great job. You got a massive promotion. You're fundraising with some of these like evangelicals that you know so mm-hmm. well, but have also taken. I, don't, I mean, I don't, it's it's on a spectrum for sure. <laughs> like no uh, yeah. judgment. Mm-hmm. But how did you how did you start to navigate both of these worlds at the same time?
1: Yeah, I honestly compartmentalized. Mm. I mean, spirit was showing me that a lot of the people that I worked with were dishonest. That was hard. Slowly, spirit started showing me that my relationship, that I had learned my lessons, that I was meant to learn in that relationship, and that it might be time to kind of navigate new terrain. I mean, it was an initiation. Slowly, spirit started planting seeds in me that would inspire me to graduate from that work or or that relationship, you name it, like whatever I was meant to shed. But you know what? I was lucky because I had that literary arts nonprofit. I was right smack dab in the middle of a very small, tight-knit creative community. And those were the hippies. They were the mystics. They were the rebels. They were the our, our people, our tribe, mm-hmm. and um, in this pretty conservative town. So I had a lot of people around me that blessed that in me and knew what to do with that. And I found I even found like a like a group of 10 or so women who were also intuitives with with really open gifts. And it meant a lot to me in my path, including you. I would include you in that circle to just have dialogue with people who knew this was a part of life, knew this was a part of the psyche and who weren't afraid of it, who didn't like run for the for the heel for the hills. But like Yeah. I mean, at the time, my boyfriend didn't know what to do with it, but he was super supportive. He was just like, yeah, I'm not an experiencer, but he was like open to it. But I can't even tell you how many guys I dated who were just like, but you don't believe crystals like are like uh, really alive. Right. Like they were like super judgy about it, (laughs) which I'm sure a lot of people could relate to out there if they're spiritual. But yeah, that that close knit girlfriend group was really what got me through. And yeah, people at work knew I was a hippie. I wasn't, I tried to not be masked about it, mm-hmm. but I remember I was kind of walking both worlds. I was kind of like, it was very different, these parts of my life, but I do have a, a memory of, I was a part of a the Rotary Club. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's like, basically we're like community leaders have luncheon once a week and you can like network and meet important people in your city. And that was definitely a part of the fundraising world in South Louisiana. And it was just like, it was full of super buttoned up people, you know, this this club of like 500 executives. And I sat by this guy. I couldn't help but be like psychic all the time. And I would just like, shit would come out of my mouth and it would be like true about a person. And they'd be like, but I didn't tell you I was going camping there. Like, how did you know, you know? It would just come out in really funny ways. But I remember this guy was, like, talking to me at this luncheon, which is super business. And we discovered in each other that we both meditated. And he was like, oh, well, like, how do you meditate? Like, what kind of meditation do you do? And it's my policy to answer, honestly, when people ask shit, you know. But, like, do you really want to go, you know, go down that alleyway with me at a business luncheon? Because, like... (laughs) I'm about to take you out to Venus real quick. Yeah. Buckle up, buttercup. (laughs) But it was funny. Something in my intuition told me he was safe. And I like used the word journey with him when I described my meditation. Like I, I was like trying to like dip my toe in and I was like, yeah, well, I do like mindfulness stuff and like I do stress and I do Vipassana. But I also, I just kind of like mustered my courage up a little bit. I was like, I kind of like mostly just do journeying <laughs> and his eyes got so fucking big and he was like, I cannot believe you just, like he didn't say it out loud, but like he just gave me this like look like, oh my God, thank you for saying that in such a place of like total bullshit and for being real in this moment and for going there. And it, it as it happens, it turns out that this guy was like super woo himself, but like just like, in finance and was, had the same kind of like compartmentalized experience. And it makes you wonder like how many people, how many executives are like practicing these like deep spiritual lives and have these like relationships with meditation or, you know, the inner space, but they're also just like in the C-suite.
0: I mean, that's one of the reasons I'm having these conversations is there are people who I have worked with for years. And I'm like, oh, do you have, like, the moon cycle tattooed on your arm? And Mm -hmm. they're like, yeah. And I'm like, I had no idea you were on the blue spectrum. <laughs> and so I, I mean, I, like I'm calling myself out. I'm holding myself accountable. It's
1: always so fun to discover that. It in is. A person. But, and
0: also like how many people are afraid to talk about. It. I've I've been absolutely terrified to talk about it. I am terrified to talk about it. I'm not going to lie. Like even this conversation right now, I'm like, hot damn, BC. <laughs> like we're fucking going there now. OK, yeah. but so you mentioned yeah. this community, the creativity. We haven't talked a lot about your art, which I absolutely want to do. How mm-hmm. writing for you has absolutely been, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that is, I know you're, you're multidisciplinarian, but you, writing is like the first and foremost, you are a writer. Yeah. That? That's mm-hmm. okay. Accurate. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's fair. And yep. I know that you were, you were just as focused on your writing as you were, you know, your meditation practice and your your, your abilities, your mysticism. How do you think as your psychic gifts grew and your trust in them grew, that informed your art and your creativity?
1: Wow. I love where spirituality and creativity intersect. I mean, I honestly think that even if I hadn't had a spiritual awakening and gotten on the meditation path and all that jazz, that I would have been a channel anyway, just through my creative work. I think creatives and artists are just they're just practical channels they're working with the higher realms you people describe it in different ways but like they say the muse like mm-hmm. your muse visited you mm-hmm. and gave you that but that's channeling yeah you know? no
0: I completely agree I mean you were one of the people that called out my gift and the gift of the gab <laughs> but like you're you know <laughs> not dissimilar to the consigliere who I often refer to but you are another reason why this podcast exists It was you actually talking about my videos and me stepping out, being online and and not just in word, but in voice. And I don't know why, like, I still have resistance around, like, actually accepting that. But I I get to hear it now reflected daily, like just hearing you or hearing your voice and blah, blah, blah. And so, like, I even I'm like, you're talking too much to be like, stop. But I 100 (laughs) percent believe art is connection to divine, to source, to to something that is so much greater than all of us and you know you hear like elizabeth gilbert talk about in big magic you hear gay Hendricks talk about it like in the corporate mystic and conscious luck like you know let alone all of the different oh my gosh i love the oh corporate do you mystic. i can't so believe you good. just mention it's gonna be in the quantum business book club for sure but okay. like there are these ideas floating around in the ether and you know some people will will pull them out and actually ground them and give them physical form. Other people just let them continually float around. And I know so many creatives Mm -hmm. who feel like they've gotten ripped off or feel like they've been stolen from. And I'm not saying that experience isn't true or also some generational or ancestral experience. However, those ideas just stay in there. Like some of the, one of the bands I used to work with refer to it as the greater groove. And if you don't, if you don't, <laughs> I yeah, love that. If you don't pull it down, it, it's still available for somebody else to use. And I was just totally. actually talking about that. Can we
1: just like acknowledge that like all of Christopher Nolan's work is yes, mine? Yes,
0: absolutely, one hundred percent. And he's just harvesting it. Thank you. It. You're very yeah, generous cool. for allowing him to use your work like that. Yeah,
1: of course. I mean, I yeah, try to help out. That's very.
0: Artists. You're just investing <laughs> back into a very reciprocal <laughs> narrative. I think artists just had the balls to go I'm a creator and and I actually talked a little bit about this in one of the blogs like one of the ways one of the reasons we got so far away from art and creativity is that it, back in the olden days when like Plato and Socrates would you know debate these ideas and these concepts and were really coming up with rhetoric and the this idea that can man create or is that only for god and is an artist Mm-mm. truly an innovator, or are they a mimic, or like, is it is art a trade because all man could possibly do is copy God? or is art blasphemous mm-hmm. because it is a creative process? And in that debate, which went on for hundreds of years, you know, science eventually, became the trend and so we got away from art and from creativity and much more into trades much more into data much more into science and artists just it like was not trendy it wasn't cool there was less security you know it all became all about the evidence and the security and making a lot of money and I think like even our educational systems and identifying like how do you become like a world power and a, a competitive force it's with your technology it's with your bombs it's with your guns it's with your your industrial age and I hope that we're on this precipice of art and intuition interweaving with the work and the science and the data because like those combined would be pretty fucking powerful like i've been kind of riffing on this Mm -hmm. idea that like i think we're kind of i think we're going to look back on this time as another dark ages like dark ages round two Mm and in in human quote-unquote civilization and After every dark age, there's a renaissance and everybody trips the light fantastic and tunes back into the greater groove. And I guess I'm just curious because I know there was like what came first, the writing or the mysticism?
1: Writing was always there. Yeah. But actually meditation and getting like a line of communication set up with your inner guides will be super affirming if you're already if you're already kind of exploring your gifts and you're already exploring your life purpose in a deep way, getting into into meditation and, and dialoguing with your guides might be really affirming for you. Because when I first opened, what I got with my life purpose and my my gifts in this life was a lot to do with writing and language and the alphabet. I mean, it's just been like multiple lifetimes what I've been exploring. And just like the throat chakra communication mm. is a specific emanation of the Godhead. And that could be like Writing It could be creative expression or that could be like psychic communication, spiritual channeling, divine communication. So I'm, I'm kind of specializing in communication in general, but I've devoted myself to writing in a big way this life, but also many others. So that came forward to me. And that's what a lot of people have to look forward to if they haven't gotten into meditation deeply is you'll get a really clear read on what your gifts are in this life. I mean, it was like so literal. It was like a hand with a pen.
0: (laughs) I remember you. Was the first
1: image, you know. But Spirit, I do want to tell you about this book, but I'll just tell you Spirit tells me what to write about, tells me why my writing will be important. I mean, for me, it's a lot about like women's stories and like rediscovering the old ways, which is like the divine feminine mysteries. But one of the reasons I think that the creative arts are undervalued in the current system or have been historically is because I do feel like they are holders of divine feminine. Like if you're looking at like the universe in terms of polarity, there's divine feminine and divine masculine. And I really feel like the creative arts fall on the feminine side, just like the spiritual arts and the sacred arts do. Because when I've connected up to like my divine feminine counterparts up through like the Pleiades and that kind of thing. That's what comes through is like the feminine mysteries and the arts really powerfully. And so as we go into, not to get too woo, but like as we go into this next phase energetically that balances divine feminine a little bit more with divine masculine, it's not about just feminine coming online. It's about balancing those two because we're coming out of an age that's really predominantly divine masculine. I do think we'll see... The arts get a little bit more respect in the mainstream culture and a little bit more value and also spiritual practices. Like anytime I'm swimming in the the astral, I mean, spirit is like very clear. Like the old ways are resurfacing. They're rising again, which is to say the goddess mysteries are coming back, which is a really, it means it's a really exciting time to be alive. Okay, two things. I'm like...
0: Going completely off topic here. So, first question: Have you ever had writer's block? And how, if at all, did spirit help?
1: (laughs) Before when I was in the wrong relationship, before I had my awakening, that was like a decade of writer's block. It was a really intense phase for me of perfectionism, as you can imagine. And trying to live according to other people's ideals and like worldview and stuff, and just like not trying to like make a mistake and And that like seeped into all aspects of my life, including my creative life. I loved reading, I loved writing, but I was fucking terrified to like be a bad writer, which you would have to be, you have to be kind of a clunky, (laughs) an artist, like a clunky artist while you're learning, you know, and I was just like so terrified to get in there and like be bad at it at first because of my perfectionism. But once I really started devoting myself to writing, did I get writer's block? I mean, I write a, I wrote a lot of bad shit. I still write bad shit all the time. But I don't think I've had a block necessarily. I mean, that's been my gift is that I'm, my imagination is super active and to my own detriment sometimes. Like, I am overly active. So if anything, I feel like I struggle with too many ideas at once and not enough time. And then where I really struggle to make progress in my work has been not committing to one story. Or one piece of writing so that's where i get tripped up a little bit thank you but the, the the antidote for this let me just tell you i want to tell everybody about this shit because this book changed my life daily rituals i found it in a really cute bookstore in orcas island in the pacific northwest and it's about it's called how artists work daily rituals and it just goes throughout Ooh, writing so it down um yeah, write that shit down. It goes, it like goes uh, not just writers, but like artists, musicians, philosophers, the greats, you know, people you would recognize like Matisse and Beethoven and Wolf and Capote, all these people. And, you know, and it just like talks about like how they mm-hmm. structure their day and how they ritualize their art. What are the processes and the systems that they return to? And the big, this was like 2017 when I found this book. The big takeaway for me was, oh, fuck, I have, to, I have to show up yeah, every day, every day. And I was excited because it clicked for me. I was like, that's what all these masters have in common. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them had day yep. jobs. Not everybody has to leave the day job and be a full-time artist to be successful. Like, I'm pretty sure Gertrude Stein wrote 30 minutes a day, and that was it. And when I read that, I was like, I can do 30. (laughs) Well, and and I
0: remember you would get up at 5 a.m. and you'd write, and then you'd go to work, and then you'd come home, you'd move your body, and then you would meditate. And it was just Virginia's day.
1: (laughs) And I was like a hermit. It was like, yeah, it was like hermit life, and it was super disciplined, super structure. But that was whenever I saw I made a lot of progress and growth as a writer. Because I was just showing up and I was making progress and I was like churning out content. A lot of it was bad, but like the only way to get better is to just churn the content Mm. out and to basically cover a lot of territory and you get better. Every, every story you write, you get better at it. I would say like I learned that year, that couple of years that I did that was just like fiction is not my first love. I love prose poetry. I love nonfiction too. Like when I started Satsuma Diaries, the blog where I, I talk about spiritual stuff. I found the reason I've stuck with it is because I really like writing informative shit. I really like information because I'm a learner and I'm a perpetual student, and I like sharing what I'm learning. And so writing in a way that helps inform people and resource people was really easy for me, where fiction, like a short story, was like pretty damn painful. And, but I was so proud of like the short stories that I like produced, but really what my first language is, is like just sharing information. And I find that I'm really eager to write a blog post on like how to make contact with your animal medicine, or, you know, like how, you know, what are my top three tips on grounding practices? I just find that like nonfiction is really easy for me and flows out of me. So anyway definitely pick up that book. It changed my my life. And it wasn't just daily writing sittings. It was meditation too. And that was the year I got super clairvoyant. I do feel like because creativity and spiritual, like, let's just say, call it mysticism and intuition development is the divine feminine. I feel like divine masculine needs to come in to be a counterpart to that. And masculine is the discipline, it's the evening routine, it's the morning routine, it's showing up every day for your art. It's the container that holds that wild, vast, feminine energy. It makes you feel safe, you know, like you can, like there was no place I could not go in my meditation or my writing, because basically everything that bookended it was the same every day. And I could count on that.
0: That makes perfect sense no I always say it's in the discipline we find our freedom and it's when we give ourselves parameters that we can truly play because like when it's just endless and like there's there's no end (laughs) it's redundant I was babysitting my friend's kids and I remember when my parents (laughs) would go away and like there was just a different sense of freedom and the nine-year-old was like you know I've always wanted to be able to do whatever I want And now that I can, it's really boring. (laughs) That's kind of like, you know, one of the like the the best ways, I think, to spark your creativity is to give yourself constraints and to say, okay, well, we don't have any money or we don't have any time or we don't have any, you know, whatever the excuse might be. And also we're going to do this. So I think it's. As someone who rallied against discipline and structure in my day, and rep, and I still re- rally against repetition, I also am very mm-hmm. fucking aware of when I give myself those constraints, when I give myself a limited amount of time, when I give myself a limited amount of money, when I say, like, this is, you know, you start your day every day doing these activities, and you finish your day every day doing these activities— I am able to be so much more tuned in, so much more, I don't want to say like productive because it's not about like how much you can get done, but like I get so Mm -hmm. much fucking done and it's powerful shit because of those parameters, like that structure. Like I always say like the structure literally supports you. Like you said, it makes you feel safe.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. I can't recommend it enough. I think that's my, that's like my number one tip for anybody who's trying to like open their intuition or make more progress creatively is a daily practice. I mean, it's saying, it seems obvious, but as creatives and mystics, this is not our first language. Yeah. Discipline and structure, just like you said, is like, we're not comfortable with it. And I think,
0: well, and actually this is, plays beautifully into this. One of the things I want to highlight about Virginia, you are entirely self-taught. Yes, you have worked, like, I know you've been in some communities and you've recently got a mentor. but Everything, like all of the messages, all of your downloads, learning how to journey, learning how to like get fucking out there, like you did that just by getting quiet and listening. There wasn't, you know, so much of my stuff. I'm always like signing up for another fucking course or like working with a coach or working with a mentor, and it's so cool because we'll like you know touch base and you'll you'll be talking about something that you've just like channeled and downloaded. In. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like the 18 people that I am constantly listening to and like taking notes <laughs> from and using as like, you know, pings or launch pads or whatever you want to call it. Like they are all also saying the same thing. And you're like, wow, I never I never knew that. So I just think that's really fucking cool. And. I just like I hope in that, like to your point, like find your own system, find your own way of doing this. Like I, I always think about Carol Joyce Oates and then Stephen Pressfield, who are both some of the most acclaimed writers in the United States. Carol works mm-hmm. Monday to Friday, 9 to 5. She gets up and she writes yeah, and that for life, eight that like hours a day. Stephen Pressfield, yeah. like he he gets up. He works out. He sits down at his desk. He's got, like, a hat that he puts on. He's got a jacket that he puts on. There's all sorts of, like, <laughs> ritual to the point of, um, like, what are they? Superstition. Thank you. Superstition. But, like, he's like, I start writing, and it's it's rarely less than two hours, but it's also rarely more than four. And I've got, like, this window oh, of, like, ten to thought. two Yeah. And he he's like, I I, it takes me a minute to get there. And then when I'm in the zone, it's phenomenal. But then like I hit a wall and I'm done. And then from there, Mm -hmm. I can go adult and do all the adulting things that I need to do in my life. But so like there, you know, it could be 30 minutes a day. It could be eight hours a day. It could be mm-hmm. all night. It could be in the morning. It could be after a run. It could be after like journeying for three hours. I think it's going to yeah. show up differently for everybody. And so for anyone listening, I just kind of wanted to call that out and 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 like also layer that with like everything that you have discovered, you figured out by just getting quiet and curious. hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think one thing, one pointer that I'll offer is. One of my big breakthroughs with writing was I don't have an hour a day to write. Yeah. But yeah, working full time. But just um, challenging myself to show up once a day for however long I had, even if it was 15 minutes, I needed to get my ass in that chair at the coffee shop and try, even if it was just like reading old shit that I wrote. You know, I really feel like that's the key is that like you can't say, no, I'm not doing that today because I don't have an hour. That's how I developed a daily exercise routine cuz like yeah, I have 10 minutes where I can move my body. Yeah. I have 10 minutes where I can meditate and get quiet and get with spirit. Yeah, I have 15 minutes where I can open my notebook and try to write something, even if it's shitty. And I don't know why, but that was such a block for me. Like I thought I needed an hour to mm. to be to ha- like enough. sit with yeah. my writing. Yeah. So I think that that applies to meditation, too. It's just like, even if you just have 10 to 15 minutes today, the the, the real art of this is showing up every day to do it.
0: Thank you for sharing that. So fucking powerful. OK, I'm going to because we're getting we've been doing this for about an hour and I just oh, yeah. have one like super massive question for you. Yeah, uh, I think you're currently living your best life since the moment i met you you always wanted to get out of the south i mean deep 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 love and respect for the south you just knew that that was not where you were going to be forever but you wanted to get out of the south you wanted like again huge ambition in your career and in your work not just in the day job but also in the writing definitely wanted to go very deep into your spiritual work can you just share that journey cuz it was like both traumatic and transformative and I don't know if you feel like you're on the other side of it, but I've I've gotten to partake in the rewards of your leaps of faith, not just one, not just two, but like 18 different leaps of faith you made just in the last 18 months. So how yeah, I mean it's it like from an outsider perspective, and I know you you took some heat from your community in Baton Rouge. You took some heat from yourself. You were like, why am I walking away from this? I have a good thing going. Why mm-hmm. did you walk away from it? And how did you create the best thing you've ever had going now?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, once I really integrated the fact that my higher self had a lot of fucking wisdom to drop on me, and I, be- and I believe that was a real thing, a real possibility that, and, and wisdom that I could use, everything started moving quickly for me. Like, spirit was like, maybe drop the meat eating, maybe drop the booze consider this relationship that you're in is was meant to help you get where you're going and it's time to like explore new things that was a hard that was a hard one because I was like deeply deeply love that guy and thought he was the one in a lot of ways and eventually sat with it I I never recommend people making decisions solely from intuition though it has to be a yes It, it ha- you have to like navigate with your intuition and your earthly common sense, like your earthly wisdom. There are two types of intelligence and they both have valuable shit to offer you. But once I had that that advice and I really sat with it and journaled with it and worked it out in therapy and stuff, yeah, it was right. Like it was done.
0: Well, and that's like, you know, again, keep in mind, Virginia and I have not been having this conversation, but have, have been exploring this for 10 years now yeah and so like you're hearing it in like the last you know five minutes of this episode but these these messages came through and there was months if not years of consideration and in some of these instances and so thank you for sharing that I mean that's to understand the earthly knowing and then that like spiritual guidance and to be able to interweave those both like Fuck yeah, that is that's where it's at, yo. Sorry, I didn't yeah. mean to interrupt you, but I just wanted to call that out.
1: No, it's important, I think, because I have learned that as someone who gravitates towards the feminine and the spiritual knowing side of things a little bit easier, I've learned through experience that it really pays off to be grounded and stay grounded in your life and to integrate both of those things. The the idea I mean, the the art of mysticism is bringing spirit here. It's not going up there with spirit. I had gentle guidance to leave that relationship, and then I I took action on that, which was really difficult. And then slowly but surely, spirit was kind of directing me to give this other person a chance. And fast forward several years later, and I'm married to the guy, and he's the best thing that's ever happened to me. He's just the most loving, most generous supportive person he's in my corner full stop and we have a really happy life together
0: um another I'm going to interrupt you again because I remember this conversation yes. and you were like <laughs> uh, I think I'm gonna we used to refer to him as the architect I feel like that's so safe to share yeah and you're like spirit told me to zoom the architect out of the friend zone and I was like okay <laughs> I wish I got specific messages like that. <laughs> but yeah, I really loved the was, way that you put it. You're like, Spirit says I got to beam this guy up and out of the friend zone and go on a date with him.
1: Yes. And the first time he and I meditated together, we both saw our children. We both saw like our future children. It was wild. And he's not even a mystic. Like he's still kind of like by definition a, a skeptic. But we had some very mysterious things happen in our path together. And I was just like, okay, God, source, whatever is all over this shit, like leading, leading the way. And I'm just going to follow it because every time I took spirit's advice, my life got 10 times better.
0: And also just have to call this out listeners. Like you can be with a skeptic and be full blown banana bonkers, mystic woo. (laughs)
1: Like (laughs) you can
0: have a day job and a career. Yeah. And also be journeying to other planets at night. So sorry. calling. Yeah. That
1: I think it's important to surround yourself with people that speak different languages than mm. you. You know, I tend to mm-hmm. surround myself, excluding you, Nicole, like I, I tend to surround myself with a lot of agnostics because I think I just love that. I love the modesty in that, like just the humility, like how do we, we don't We don't fucking know what's going on, -hmm. but they're also grounded and they have a lot of wisdom to offer someone like me who's like hanging out with Jupiter after seven or eight. But anyway, the the what brought me over to the West Coast was eventually when it became clear that Josh was my life partner and that we were a really good fit. Spirit gave me guidance that like he was marriage material and my ancestors came in and they were like, we bless this. And they were like, we're all gathering around you because we see that a vow is shaping up between the two of you just organically. And I mean, it was like a lot spiritually to just like see Spirit come in that in that big of a way. But we also got really direct guidance to move to the West Coast and eventually, like, settle in the Cascade Mountain Range area. And I was like, really, what do I do with that? (laughs) But now that I'm here, I realize Josh's parents are up here. Four out of six of his siblings are here. And so, yeah, if we're, like, we're around our people. And, I mean, it's gorgeous also. And the beautiful thing about getting out of the south is just there's a lot of weirdos over here. And yeah. <laughs> like I'm a I like I'm in a very strange city and I just it's like oxygen for me. So it's been a it's been a wild ride, but I'm I'm glad I took it. Well, and
0: your it. career is also flourishing. I mean, you're doing amazing yeah. things at work, and you're you're doing amazing things for the world. I mean, you're raising millions and millions of dollars for refugees. I think you're working with Unhoused as well in Portland. Is that yeah? Do I have that right. We have yeah. a
1: capital campaign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, one of my Atlantean guides was like, "I want to work with you to help refugees." And this was like two years before I found this gig in in Portland. And I was like, when it happened and I was like at the forefront of the philanthropic world's response to the refugee crisis, like the Afghan crisis in Oregon. I was like, oh, shit, that happened. Okay, well, so
0: on that. I mean, I feel like that's just a like we kind of got full circle. We got to present day. Uh, I don't often get to ask this with my relatables, but Virginia, where can people find you if they want to work with you? Is that something they can do? What are you offering? Tell us all the things.
1: Yeah, well, thanks for having me. This is a blast, um, as always. And yeah, when I'm not grant writing, I am writing about spiritual shit at my blog, which is com. And I started YouTubing about this stuff, too, because I just feel like we need more conversation around mysticism and intuition development. So I'm That's at that here. name as Told well. <laughs> yeah, right. And And then I just got on Instagram like a minute ago, but I definitely am excited to just start, you know, generating a little bit more conversation around cosmic contact and mediumship and all the things because it's, it's kind of in the margin still. It's kind of in the shadow in a lot of ways. And I just feel like this has been the greatest gift in my path, my, my, the spiritual part of my life. And so I'm, my hope is that anybody who wants to open their intuition and have this too, that they can, they can have that as well.
0: And are you doing readings? Are you offering readings?
1: Yeah, actually, I do. um, I do offer intuitive readings and healing sessions as well. And
0: so why would someone want to get a reading from you?
1: I mean, I think that I have a pretty... Everybody has... Every uh, intuitive has, like, a specialty and has, like, a language they speak and Mm -hmm. and something that they're strong at. But I would say where my gifts are are really stronger is healing. I've been doing body scans and chakra scans lately. And when I got Reiki certified, that re- I really became interested in in offering energy healings and stuff where I sense chakra blocks. So that can actually help you open your intuition a little bit more if you can get the energy kind of flowing more clearly through your system. So that can be helpful. But I also hear really clearly from the plant kingdom and the animal kingdom, and I'm just a medium in general, so I'll hear from your, but my range is really wide. so I can hear from your cosmic guides. I can hear from your guys that are outside of time and outside of the earth plane. So I hope that helps. I mean, definitely would be happy to work with anybody who's interested.
0: No big deal. all the all the planes, all the guides, all the kingdoms were good. <laughs> well, my love, I know I mean you're super, super busy. It is dinner time for you. And it is also dinner time for me. So I'm going to let you go. And we're definitely going to do this again. You took this to a whole other fucking level. Like, thank you for actually (laughs) ushering me through the spiritual gate that I opened for you way back when, because I haven't gone this balls out in a conversation. And it's just (laughs) awesome. And I know that people are really going to really appreciate hearing this from someone who is so grounded, who is, like towing the line and you've got the day job you're also deep in your work and your practice and you've magically interwoven those two like negotiations if you will for so long <laughs> and where you've come from where you've been how you've created everything never ceases to both amaze and inspire me and I just feel like I feel really fucking special that you're in my life, and you let me stay in your life because I know not everybody made the cut. <laughs> <laughs> same and same. yeah, it's just it's just a really beautiful relationship. You're absolutely soul family. I like, I'm so grateful our paths crossed, but I think they probably do a lot of the times we choose to physically be here. So. Hmm. you're and it's like you did me such a massive fucking favor for fitting this in and squeezing this in i know you're super <laughs> duper super busy and you're you will help me sleep better tonight so thank you
1: oh well it's absolutely my pleasure this is my favorite thing to do nicole what are you even talking about talking Yay! about spiritual shit okay, cool. with you i will cool, do cool, it anytime cool. call me anytime thank you so much for Sweet. having
0: me well, so anybody who's listening, you can find, not anybody who's listening, you're listening. <laughs> but satsumadiaries.com, will link in the show notes where you can find Virginia. And if you've got any questions or things that you'd like us to talk about moving forward, let us know. I feel like this could be a really cool ongoing conversation about how to kind of explore your own gifts, your gifts in business, how spirituality and creativity can inform all aspects of your life. And maybe we can even get Virginia to kind of like tune into some stuff and let us know what's like going on in the ether. I don't know. I'd get readings from Virginia. I highly recommend her. (laughs) The like specificity is almost like weird. It's so... Like I'm working with like a hydrosol <laughs> that was like three very specific essential oils. I'm like, okay, I guess.
1: <laughs> like
0: Um, so I just I don't know. I think that's really fucking cool that you get that level of communication. And I, yeah, do you I'll stop fawning over you. I love you. Thank you so much. You guys know where to find me, NicoleBZ.com. If there's anybody that you think needs to be on this podcast, a relatable someone who's towing the line in terms of creativity, spirituality, and the real fucking world, let me know. I'm sure it would be an interesting conversation. And thank you so much for being here. I love you. Thanks so much.